Welcome to A Moment with Modern Mentors, a podcast series by Digital Collective Co, where we soak up wisdom, anecdotes and actionable tips from Australian startups, female founders, business leaders, industry pioneers and C-suite executives, a sway of people who have achieved amazing things in their professional fields. My name is Mia McLeod and I'm the founder of Digital Collective Co. We are a collective of digital experts who have come together during a time of adversity, all aligned in the mission of finding a better way of working while simultaneously improving the balance in our lives. Hi, my name is Jeff Anderson. I am one of the co-owners of Workshop Creative, although you might recognize my face from dancing like an idiot and waving a fan in my face on TikTok. But I am here today to talk all things creative and business with the Digital Collective. My name is Kat and I work on all things social media for Digital Collective Co. Today I'm speaking with TikTok star Jeff Van Der Zandt who has amassed a following of over 58,000 followers since the start of COVID-19 quarantine. All thanks to a hilarious impression of a Scott Morrison press conference remixed to club music. Yes, you heard that right. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, I'm sorry, you've had several questions. Andrew, I'm sorry. Andrew, I know, but you don't run the press conference, okay? So I'm going to go to other questions of members of the, of, of the group. Catherine hasn't had a question. I'm happy to return to you, but let's just keep it civil. Andrew. Jeff is also a creative art director and co-owner of Workshop Creative, a creative marketing agency with an impressive list of entertainment clients, naming the upcoming Australian production of Hamilton as their newest account. We hope you enjoy this moment with the very funny and creative Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to your episode on A Moment with Modern Mentors. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'm so excited to chat to you and see you again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We have known each other for a couple of years. Yes. You and I met when I was working at Disney and you were an account manager at the agency that we were using. Yep. So it's great to be chatting to you again. How funny that we're here in this really strange moment in history. Tell me how you've been handling quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, pretty good for the most part. Like I talk to a lot of people who aren't dealing with it very well. And so all things considered, I think I am pretty fine. You seem like you've been very creative. (laughs) Yeah, I think the whole quarantine thing is different for everyone. I guess for me, having worked from home for the last two years, it wasn't really that much of a change for me. The big thing that happened for me, though, is that I was crazy, busy, crazy, busy, and then all of a sudden, all of life here just disappeared. I went from being, like, exceedingly busy to not busy at all, and I had all of this, like, creative energy milling around and didn't know what to do with it. So, yeah, I decided to film a TikTok a day just because. Oh, I love that because, yes, that was one of my questions is what made you start doing those? I know you used to do Dub Smash a fair bit, and but you transitioned onto the TikTok platform and... Thanks to this Scott Morrison video, it's taken off. Well, totally. And and that's the thing. Like, I have been lip syncing for years. Like I have been doing Dump Smash for years but to, you know, the friends that know me. And actually one of my old friends from Canberra was messaged me out of nowhere and was like, you need to stop doing Dump Smash and get on TikTok because all of the lip sync is happening on TikTok. And I went, oh, okay. And so I, I, I yeah, I did that ages ago now. Because, yeah, well, that's where all the audience was and... I think it's super interesting, actually, like how many views you can get by not putting money behind it. Algorithm seems a lot less prohibitive than, I guess, like Instagrams would be. No, absolutely. And I've, I've said that to people as well, that it is actually so much easier to find people and find content on TikTok than it is on Instagram. Like Instagram was it back when it was like chronological order. I miss those days. You're so right. And also the other reason I went on TikTok 
as a marketer, I, like, you know, I was interested that it was the fastest growing social platform out there and that so many people were downloading it. And at a first glance, I, I did not understand how brands could use it because as marketers, we're so like beautiful content, beautiful content all the time. TikTok is like the complete opposite of that. There's very little production value to it. It's, it's actually just all about the comedy, which I love. I know what you mean. Like, I'm like, well, how would you actually engage with TikTok as a brand? Have brands approached you since you've kind of taken off on TikTok and social media to be doing TikTok SponCon? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it came out of nowhere. People just started messaging me being like, hey, we love your stuff. We'd love to send you some things. Sure, why not? <laughs> I find influencers a bit gross when they're like, I love this product. This is so good. This face cream is really nice. I don't do that. My popularity on TikTok is not because I talk or or am, you know, doing things. I just lip sync to funny videos. It's just joy. Like you just give people joy. It's just like so funny to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. The thing with brands using me is that all I have to do is wear a product or feature it in some way. And I think Doing it that way makes it feel like it's more authentic. For example, one of the ones that I did was uh, some bed sheets. And without actually saying anything about them, I had so many messages from people being like, oh, I've been looking at these and they're good bed sheets. And like, it is actually authentic that way because then as me, talking to a one-on-one person, I can go, yeah, they are actually great. It takes the cringe out of it for sure. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I did see that you got a little delivery of Beats by Dre Headphones. Yeah. And doesn't Apple own Beats? Does that mean Apple sent those to you? Apple, that's the big boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. I think it's by an agency that has Beats as their client. And I think that's that's where a lot of it has come from. Like people that are within agencies follow me and they're like, that's a great pairing. And it's, you know... Pretty simple. So going back to when you were telling us how you had so much on your plate and then you suddenly had nothing to do, which I fully relate to, can you tell us what you were actually up to up until COVID hit and we all were in quarantine and our lives changed? Yeah, look, I started a company with my best mate, Ash McKenzie, in October last year called Workshop Creative. Yeah, we we had just gotten really busy with lots of different shows and clients and little things here and there. I mean, it was really starting to ramp up. We also recently won Hamilton, which also was, you know, it's a lot of work. So it was all sort of building and building. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, like uh, quite a few of the shows that we were working on that were planned or scheduled or about to announce or that were also running, they just disappeared. It really did go from me telling my boyfriend, okay, the next period is like, you may not see me because it's going to be so busy to then overnight me going... I just cleared all of my emails, just gone. That exact same thing happened to me. As you know, I was working for an entertainment agency and yeah, as soon as Scott Morrison was like, no gatherings over 500 people, it was like, oh God. So it's a very interesting time for entertainment for sure. I totally appreciate it's different for everyone and everyone's scenarios are different. But I guess for me, having been a freelancer prior to starting the company for a long period of time, I'm pretty good at going oh, okay, like I'll just readjust. I don't panic about a lot of things. Um, And so that's why when it all happened, I was like, okay, sometimes it's not really worth your stress and panic because what I used to do is to project a lot into the future and be like, what if, what if, what if, what if? But instead I just focus my energy on the immediate things. Totally. But I think it's also about what your needs are. So for me, my needs were about being able to stay creative. And so that's why... 
I kind of, yeah, started doing the TikToks because I went, it's fun. I can be creative with it. I can, you know, spend more time with it than I usually do and, you know, put silly costumes on and whatever. I completely relate to that. Like I definitely panicked for a moment there, but then I was like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. This is absolutely out of my control. I'm just going to like take it day by day. And I've actually started doing a lot more stuff that genuinely I enjoy doing and creating things that I just always wanted to do, but never had the time to do. So I fully appreciate it. I actually appreciate it. Absolutely. But this is the thing that also happened to us that I was the driving force behind is when it all happened, we got a couple of jobs from very corporate people, from people that we knew that were like, hey, there's this job, it's, it's long-term, it's all this kind of stuff and it's not affected by COVID. And I was like, I don't want to take it because you're stressed about the future. Like, I don't want to take it because we're like, oh, we've lost all of it. We need to do something because in my experience, that work isn't as good. And I think the thing that I have come to realize is that you have to do something that you love and that you're passionate about for it to be amazing. It's amazing what you're capable of once you tear away all of the other crap. Like if you just focus on something that you love, that's where you come alive. Well, that's where I come alive anyway. For the last couple of years, you've been working at Workshop Creative, the company that you started. What made you open that up and how did you get that momentum going? I think, well, as I said, I'd been a freelancer for a few years, just doing what I love, design stuff and all that jazz. And there was kind of an opportunity out there for people who or producers who were interested in more than just design, like more of the marketing consultancy sort of, you know, TV producing, content producing, all that, that level of stuff. And Ash is one of my closest friends and a genius at that stuff. So much so that when we both, we used to sit next to each other at the agency we worked at and often I would get him to read my radio scripts. He would get me to look at his design stuff. Like we would actually help each other on the bits where we were stronger at. And so weirdly, well, not weirdly, amazingly, he sort of, his skill set is kind of the complete yin and yang of what my skill set is. And of course we can both do you know, bits of what the other person can do, but where we come alive is the perfect mix with, with us together. Often when I'm designing for myself, it's basically just like throwing a ball against a wall. It, like you can do it for a while, but it's not very interesting. Even when before we started the company, I would be sending Ash my designs being like, what do you think of this? And then we would kind of back and forth on that. So immediately just having someone else to throw the ball to totally. was amazing. And often when we are brainstorming, that fire between us gets massive. It's bonfire. Amazing. But yeah, it, we work so well together because we have such, we come from it at different angles, but they're both usually very helpful to the other person. So rare to find someone like that, that you actually like A, can be friends with and B, work together <laughs> so yeah. well and like complement each other's strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Have you thought like strategically about workshop creative and how you might come back from this or are you just going to kind of take that approach that you've been taking and just go day by day and say yes to the stuff you love doing? Yeah, look, it is really day by day. I think for a moment there, it was really quiet for a period of time, but I think everyone in the industry like is thinking, how do I restructure? How do I keep doing the things that I love doing? And so now all of a sudden we're really busy again because people have been like, okay, this is how I'm recalibrating. This is what I want to do. So it's coming in in different ways. Yeah. But as artists, we are, you know, clever and smart and can come up with different ways of doing things constantly. So I think a lot of people are doing that and yeah, we're, we're here for the ride and here to help out. We've kind of pivoted into 
influencer or like authentic influencer, like we said before. I hate that word so much. It just, I just, I'm not an influencer. But, <laughs> but today, this is so embarrassing. Today, I was out getting like just some food from the grocery store and this woman came up and she was like, oh my God, I need a photo. Can I have a photo with you? Oh my God, my kids are so embarrassed. Can I have a photo with you? I was bright red. (laughs) It actually is kind of little elements of celebrity coming into your life. I've had people yell at me from their cars, like (laughs) Cole's attendants being like, you're the TikTok guy. Oh, and this is also great. I have a coffee name when it at every cafe that I have, and the one down the road from my house, it's always Jack. My coffee name has always been Jack. They know me as Jack. They said to my boyfriend, to Jack's coffee. And then literally two days ago, she went, so I saw you on TikTok. Your name's Jeff. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I mean, my whole life is a lie. I've been lying to you this whole time. Well, I feel like they've <laughs> built a relationship with me based on my name being Jack. It's just, Oh, yeah. dear, that's hilarious. I guess talking about celebrity, Have you had like any bad parts of it yet? Like trolls? Yeah, I've got heaps of trolls. It's great. I really don't want to offend anyone, but like I don't care about any of this stuff. Like I'm, I didn't set out to be an influencer. I'm not like, I'm going to be famous. So when someone tries to take me down, I'm like, good for you. Like live your life. I'm doing this for fun. I'm still having fun. Like, and I'm not offending anyone. If, if someone was saying that I did something that offensive, then I would actually you know, care or take it down or whatever. But, you know, one of them was imagine being a grown-ass man lip-syncing to the voice of a child. And I wrote back and I was like, yes, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And also on the flip side, I've had so many, so many lovely messages from people, even nurses who have been like, you've made all the nurses in the ward laugh today and you've, you've made such an impact on my isolation and I really look forward to your videos. You're a bright light in this dark time. Like those messages I get constantly And I'm like, I'm just being an idiot. So um, if you're taking some benefit out of it, that's great. Oh, I love that. Obviously, you've kind of gone viral overnight since the Scott Morrison impersonation remixed to club music. Do you think there are any key ingredients to making a TikTok go viral? I mean, that's the key question, isn't it? That's what every marketer wants to know. The thing is, there, there is no recipe a, always be funny. I think things that spark emotion or like they are always the things that people share. So whether it's heartwarming or it's funny or if it makes them feel something, they're more likely to share it. I think also videos that I've seen go viral, they don't feel like marketing, even if they, they have a marketing spin or there's something part of it. Like it, it's so hard as a marketer to take yourself out of it, but to do something that is authentically funny or heartwarming or whatever. I think that's important. And then also just something that is relevant, like is of the time or trending. Or if I look at the videos that have done well of mine, it's always specifically about that moment. So the Scott Morrison thing, if that was, you know, three weeks or like, you know, three months ahead, it wouldn't be funny anymore. It was of that time. There was a bunch of Tiger King content that I did as well. That was, that got really popular because Tiger King's all the rage, well, was all the rage back at the time. Like I, I think now it's not really all that relevant anymore. It's had its moment, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's all, it's all, it's just like a combination of things and you really, you never know. Totally. Yeah. I guess because as a marketer, I was kind of like, okay, so well, how did this happen? And it was exactly that humor. 
it was topical and it was like, it was just, it seemed really authentic. It was funny and joyful. That was essentially it. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't understand why that video went viral. Like, I don't think that's the funniest thing I've done. <laughs> I think other things have, been, have taken way longer or whatever. I, like, I don't understand. Yeah, the people that, that message me are going, I watch this like 20 times a day. I'm like, yeah. why? <laughs> Production-wise, you said some other videos have taken longer. It looks like it's just a quick easy, fun activity for you, but what kind of production does go into something that you actually produce? Look, for the most part, they are pretty simple. Mostly they only take about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. The longer ones obviously take a lot more time because there's more to remember. There is one that I did, which is the voiceover from, I think it's Bruce Almighty or something with Steve Carell being a newsreader. That took me maybe two hours and I was beside myself. There were so many like breaths and the shuffling of the paper and just moments that and t- the timing was so difficult that by the end of it, I think when I am the, the guy in the studio, you can see that the sun has like started to set. Like that, that part of the video is darker and I was just losing my oh mind my God, at how long that took. Oh, dear. Generally, they don't take that long and I will never do another video like that again because that was... Oh, I, don't, I don't like spending that much time on it, but... Dedication. So do you edit them much? Do you use like any editing tools or is it literally like whatever comes out, that's it? Sometimes I will film one person's... If there's two people talking, I'll film one person's part in full and then the other person's part and then just chop them together. Generally, it's, it's very simple. I think also I know that I'm a fickle person and the moment it starts to feel like a chore or difficult, I don't want to do it. So... They have to be fun and they have to be easy for me to do, which most of them are. Yeah. Do you think you'll keep doing them when you go back to normal life, whatever that is? (laughs) I mean, I think I will run out of time. Like, I think I won't have the time to keep doing them. But much like with the dub smash, like, as I said, I've been doing dub smash for years and I always found the time to do one of those. Often it's when sometimes I animate things and I can't use my computer because it's rendering. And often it was during that time that I would... (laughs) So, okay, I've got like 20 minutes to kill. I'll film a dub snap. So yeah, I'm sure I'll keep doing them in some capacity. It just won't be this many. <laughs> so I guess as someone who was working in the entertainment industry, and I guess you still are working in the entertainment industry, keeping us all entertained, how do you see the industry post-coronavirus? Different, obviously, but it will still be there. I think that's the thing that is sort of terrifying and absolutely depressing that there, you know, some some producers or 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 groups or theaters, you know, may not survive or get through this, which is heartbreaking. But we will come out of it in in some way, shape, or form, and people will want to go back to the theater. Like, you know, everyone in isolation is using artists to survive. <laughs> like, you know, listening to music or reading books or watching TV shows or watching movies. There is some capacity that people crave that stuff, and so. I think it's it's needed for people to feel normal again. So what that looks like, I think, will be different in terms of, you know, maybe the, there'll be less people in the theatre or there'll be smaller theatres that open up or, or, or something like that. But it will it will still be there in some capacity. Yeah. Um, what it looks like, I'm not sure yet. You know, hopefully there can be some innovation that comes out of it. I've seen some live streams happening from like the Sydney Opera House and they're just performing to an empty auditorium and we're just watching them from our home. So there could be some cool new ways to consume entertainment content. I think that has a lifespan as well. Like maybe there'll be more of that, but I don't think people want to just sit in their houses forever and not go out. 
innovation is is absolutely the right word for this but maybe there'll be more of the live stream stuff maybe there'll be a combo of people in the theater and people who can't go being able to watch it live stream like i think innovation is the way everyone moves forward so i'm going to ask you some questions that i would ask you if you were my mentor is there a book you've ever read that has like profoundly changed your life or just affected you deeply in some way yes it is you are a badass by jen sincero i think you is how you say her last name I've read that book three times. It's the book that made me quit my job. I think I remember you telling me about that book. Yep. I, I tell everyone. I've gifted it to lots of people. I tell everyone. It's amazing. Each time that I've read it, I've taken something different from it because there is so much in there that I think often when you read things that are self-helpy, which I love reading all the time, you take from it what you need at that time. So when I was reading it the very first time, I like my life is all over the shop and it was a very tumultuous time. And I took from it a particular message that, you know, I don't know if I can swear, but uh, it said there's nothing as unstoppable as a freight train full of fuck yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that. That speaks to what I was saying before, of, like do the thing that you love doing that is your freight train and you'll be unstoppable. That really helped me in that time. But the other thing that I read in there, which again, see, this is all my, this is all my, my mind frames coming out of this book. It says you don't need to know where you're going to end up. You just need to do the thing that feels right and then keep following right feeling things. Yeah. And that's absolutely me. So when that, you know, job came up, at the start of Corona, I was like, it just doesn't feel right. So I don't want to do it. I don't know if we're going to get any other work, but I know it doesn't feel right. So I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that mentality has served me so well. I love that. I think that, yeah, you just, otherwise, if you start saying yes to anything before you know it, your life is just full of stuff that you don't like doing. Absolutely. But also in like real life, I've done that with boys I've dated. I've done that, you know, so it just, it, it works. It's my life motto. <laughs> Amazing. I'll have to get it and read it. So my next question was, which of your habits do you credit for most improving your life recently? If you have any. I would like to say eating the biggest toad first, even though I never do it. When people talk about being productive, they say if someone gave you a plate of toads or frogs and said you had to eat them all, you have to eat the biggest one first. So when you have yeah. a, like a list of to-do things, you have to do the one that you're avoiding most first. And I never do that, but I always am like, eat the toad, eat the toad, come on. <laughs> it's a good reminder of anything because, yeah, I feel you. I always have that one thing on my to-do list that ends up on my to-do list like for the next three weeks and it just doesn't go away. Exactly. I think it's great to ask people who've had success in their careers like you have how you push forward when you feel overwhelmed or unmotivated instead of giving up, how do you keep going? Look, there's a couple of ways. I taught a course recently, random, on getting through creative block and I think for me one of the things is <laughs> to trick your brain into not doing the thing that it's actually doing. And so what I mean by that, often in a broader sense, like for example, if I don't want to do a home workout, I will set up all of the things and get dressed in. I don't want to do it. But then I'll put on like music from my favorite track or something that I know that I can sing without, like I know all the lyrics to without having to think about it. And I'll start singing it as I do the workout. And for me, what that does is trick my brain into going, oh, we're doing this thing that we love. <laughs> and then you're doing, you're actually physically doing the thing that you don't want to do. That is such a good tip. <laughs> and the same thing happens for me when I'm designing stuff. If I feel like I'm getting through a creative block or whatever, there's like maybe three or four Broadway soundtracks that I know every single word to. Amazing. And so I will just put them on and then sing as I'm doing that. And it just, 
it just happens. Like you just keep, you do the thing that you're avoiding doing. It tricks your brain. <laughs> exactly. The other thing that someone once told me is that being creative is often like turning on a dirty tap. Um, you've got to get the shit water out before you get the clean water. And so sometimes when you're doing something that you're like, oh, this is awful and I don't feel motivated or whatever, you've got to push through because after that is the clear water. <laughs> Yeah. So it was interesting what you were saying about how you don't want to say yes to just everything and keep focused on the things you enjoy doing. Is there anything like when you think of success, what does that actually look like to you? Again, one of the other, one of the other things that I really resonate with, and I'm pretty sure it's from that book. It might not be, is to jump off a cliff and build your parachute on the way down. <laughs> if you jump off the cliff and then you, you know, you've already got a parachute, you're pretty like, like you go, yeah, cool, I'm chilling, and then I'll pull the parachute. But if you don't have a parachute and you have to build it on the way down, damn you will work hard to build that parachute. And so I think there is there is definitely power in just taking that first step, like taking the leap off the thing because that energy propels you to do more things. But I guess for me, what success looks like is being happy. Like it's not about money. It's not, it's not about power or status or anything like that. I think all of that is material and gross. I think being successful is doing something that lights the fire inside you. For me, like the happiest times in my life or the, the bits where I get giddy like a child is when that fire is lit. So that can be in any capacity, whether I'm on a shoot and the, the photos are coming out really well, or if it's I'm concepting something and I come to a concept that I really love, like I know that feeling of when the fire is like, yeah, it's on. And that's the thing I'm constantly chasing. And I think for me, that feeling, that's what success is. And then obviously when you just do that, success follows, because obviously we should probably elaborate on Hamilton for anyone who's maybe not fully into musical theatre. That is like the biggest show ever and was huge on Broadway. And that's so amazing that you got that account. Like how exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That's obviously still going ahead and it's all good with all the quarantine situation. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, we're very lucky that it's, you know, yeah, it's away. The future. Yeah. yeah we're still good. Amazing. That's so, I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to see it in Australia. I would love to ask you, what advice would you give to your younger self if you could? Ooh, that is a tricky one. <laughs> the advice that I would give to my younger self would be that it's okay to be yourself. I think going to an all boys school as a gay man was tricky. And so like that whole period, I kind of want to go, yeah, like it's it's okay to be you. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. And I feel like you've definitely mastered that art because it is an art. Well, totally. But I mean, if, I, if that child or like kid back then would be able to look ahead in the future and see himself on an ABC ad in Rainbow Wings, <laughs> like, it's okay, kid, it's okay. <laughs> like, it'll all work out. We're kind of at our final question, which is, if you could speak to everyone in the world, what would you say? That is a lot of pressure. I know. Speak to everyone in the world. It's so dicky, but I would probably say do something for the environment. Mm. Anything, anything big or small, just do something. Because I think, yeah, if we all want to live here for a bit longer, you just got to do whatever you can. That issue is imminent. I think that's a good choice. Good choice of message. Thank you so much for giving up your time and coming to chat to me today. I've really enjoyed it. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the new podcast series from Digital Collective Co. It has been such a pleasure to interview our fascinating guests and inspiring to hear stories and insights of success and adversity from business leaders and entrepreneurs. 
Subscribe now to hear the second episode of A Moment with Modern Mentors with Leah Wilson from puffling.com.au.